Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. I'm Ryan O'Leary, host of this brand new Cowboys Wire podcast. The NFL season is uh, upon us. It That's hard to, I, I can barely believe it. It feels like, you know, the preseason just started. We're waiting for those preseason games. They haven't happened. We're about to kick off. I'm here with KD Drummond, the managing editor of the Cowboys Wire website. He'll be joining me each week, bringing the knowledge on all things Cowboys football. KD, I'm excited to kick this thing off with you, my man. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Ryan. I appreciate you guys uh, setting this up, and uh, we're ready to go, man. Football season is upon us. Yeah, it's time to go. Uh, so this podcast is powered by the USA Today Network. Uh, you know, there's going to be some other segments coming in later on. We'll have a fantasy football segment by Corey Bonini of the Huddle, and we'll also have a sports betting segment coming up by our guys over at the Sports Wire. And uh, you know, Katie and I might give some of our thoughts on that too. But first off, Katie, the Cowboys. They're always interesting, like we were talking about off the air. Always an interesting team. They have a new coach, Mike McCarthy. Dak Prescott, he's getting paid this year, but he's still waiting for that long-term deal. You still get your stars like Zeke Elliott and Amari Cooper and some young guys that I think are, are ready to roll. But what's your take right now on the Cowboys entering week one? It's, it's really hard not to buy into the hype and to drink the, the proverbial Kool-Aid, as they say, because the Cowboys roster is absolutely stacked. They have 16 players that should be a feature part of their team that have been on the Pro Bowl at one point or another in the past. Uh, again, they have a new head coach. Mike McCarthy takes over for Jason Garrett. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, Garrett could not escape past the divisional round in 10 years coaching the Cowboys, so obviously looking for change there. Uh, but with all of the offseason stuff that's happened, the COVID-19, the change in the schedules, uh, the wiping out of the OTAs and the rookie mini camps and the veteran mini camps and the preseason games, it makes it a tough sell for McCarthy to get his, uh, his idea of what they want to do in place. And all of those kind of things are robbed from him as a first time head coach. No so it's going to be interesting to see how quickly the Cowboys can come together as one under this new regime. Uh, and, and with a limited sample size of it, just a 16 game regular season, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. Yeah. And McCarthy's been on the shelf for a little bit too. And, but you know, one thing I, d- I did want to ask you is, you know, how much better off is the team now that the Jason Garrett circus is kind of over and behind them, you know, and, and what does, what kind of a presence is a guy like McCarthy bringing? I I like to put it this way. Mike McCarthy himself should be worth two wins on his own. Just, just him, his pedigree, the way that he goes about his business. Uh, He's an all business coach. He he likes routine. Uh, He likes to just simply be about football. Him, him himself as a championship pedigree coach is worth two wins. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of Jason Garrett should be worth another one to two wins because (laughs) when it came to end game, when it came to end game uh, decision making, he was horrible. And then the Cowboys literally lost games because they refused to cut a really bad kicker that missed 10 kicks in 13 games. It, it was demoralizing watching Brett Maher go out there and suck the life out of a team when they had a drive into opponent's territory and he would subsequently miss the kick. Uh, they literally lost multiple games last year because of those type of decisions. So 
adding Mike McCarthy and replacing Jason Garrett should be worth between three to four wins over their eight and eight finish last year. So I'm predicting if all things were equal, if we didn't have the whole backdrop of COVID-19 and all the risk of people testing positive during the season and all of those sorts of things that are going on. But in a vacuum, I would say that the change would be worth another three to four wins for the Cowboys. Yeah, I remember last year I would just watch Cowboys games and then just be on Twitter seeing what everyone was saying about Garrett. Uh, you know, everybody wanted his head because of the decisions he was making. It was it was wild. I called it a circus. I think that's the best way to describe it, right? There's no other way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, and it's, and it's all Jerry Jones' fault. He, he brought back a lame duck coach. He tried to inspire the team by having an entire coaching staff on the final years of their contract because it wasn't just Garrett. Uh, the defensive coordinator, um, Rod Marinelli, the, the de facto defensive coordinator, Chris Richard, everybody was working on the final year of their deal uh, when it came to the coaching staff. And it was just there was infighting amongst the coaches. There was coaches battling players, uh, coaches getting suspended for challenging players. It was a mess behind the scenes, not to mention what it looked like on the field, uh, because obviously that translated into how things happened on the field. But yeah, it, it was a, just a really ridiculous situation going into last season. They should have fired him if they weren't happy with him after 2018 and the way that they exited the playoffs in that loss against the Los Angeles Rams. But they decided not to. They decided to bring him back and kind of, you know, just hope for the best. And it didn't work out. They, they really shot themselves in the foot. So I, I think um, the health of Amari Cooper is going to be huge. But you wrote about on the uh, on the Cowboys Wire site. You wrote about rookie CD Lamb and you know the first round pick, and he's you wrote about him having you know maybe the best camp of any Cowboys wide receiver. Can you tell me more about this guy and the role he's going to have in the offense? Yeah, we know that uh, all NFL training camps are locked down, so getting information uh, is sporadic yeah, at best uh, of what's happening in yeah of what's what's happening in the camp. But all reports are saying that CD Lamb does not look like a rookie, and it's it's wide receiver is one of the hardest positions for a rookie to trans tra- translate from his collegiate success into the NFL. It normally takes maybe two years, possibly three years for a rookie to really dive in. But all reports are saying that CD Lamb is playing like a number one receiver. And when you have a team that already has a number one receiver and already has a one A receiver in Michael Gallup, uh, and obviously the one receiver would be Amari Cooper, that should lead to one of the most dynamic offenses that anybody has ever seen. You know, a lot of people complain about how the Cowboys were up and down last season. Uh, Big games here, bad games there. You know, it wasn't a consistent effort. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that Amari Cooper had up and down games. Mm -hmm. And when he was not on the field, the Cowboys offense suffered. So having C.D. Lamb there, if Amari is injured right now because he's been held out of team practices the last couple couple days and he has issues with lower leg injuries last year that hampered him, uh, five different lower leg injuries, even though he played all 16 games. But now the Cowboys are in a position that even if he's hobbled or Michael Gallup is hobbled because he had a knee issue last year as well, they'll still have at least two dynamic wideouts out there and the offense can function as intended. And then when all three are out there, which is the plan, when all three are healthy and you can line up all three guys, plus have Ezekiel Elliott, plus have Tony Pollard, plus have Blake Jarvin going down the scene, it's the type of offense that records should be set in. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting time for the Cowboys right now. Yeah, they're loaded, no doubt about it. And I think so, so C.D. Lamb, a guy that maybe people might want to look at in their fantasy drafts coming up we've got our fantasy segment coming up here uh any other guys in camp that you know besides the big names katie that you would that you would maybe highlight on the cowboys right now maybe any uh fantasy sleepers on the cowboys roster right now 
Yeah, I think the big ones would be Blake Jarwin and Tony Pollard. And I wouldn't necessarily call them sleepers because the the attack is going to be straightforward. It's going to be those three receivers and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and obviously, Dak Prescott is going to be a smart person to invest in yep. uh, with all of those weapons. Uh, but Tony Pollard has been getting a lot of work. And the Cowboys don't have a true fullback on the field. So I would not be surprised if they ran a lot of 20 personnel, which would be two running backs and three wide receivers. Uh, Blake Jarwin, of course, at tight end is going to be mixed in there. And he's going to be the sixth or seventh option so teams are basically going to have to leave him single covered because they're trying to cover all of the wideouts and also account for Ezekiel Elliott coming out of the backfield so Tony Pollard and uh, Blake Jarwin be guys that I would take those late round flyers on get them they should be able to produce Blake Jarwin should easily come in even with uh, just the increased snap count from taking over for Jason Witten even if he doesn't get the full target share that Witten uh, that, that Witten left sitting there on the field, he's still going to have much better opportunities. And people have to remember, he averaged three yards a catch more than what Witten did. So even just giving him a percentage of those targets combined with what Jarvin got as a second tight end last year should increase his production to where he's a serviceable tight end for you. And he'll he'll have those games where he might get a touchdown or two in addition to having six catches if you're in a PPR league. Uh, but Tony Pollard is an exciting, exciting back. Uh, he, he led the league in elusive rating last year. Uh, he's extremely difficult to to tackle and he's going to be getting a lot more opportunities not just out of the backfield but also when he's going to be motioned out wide uh as far as being a pass receiver for the cowboys so it's a loaded offense if you get any of the cowboys on your team you're most likely going to have some weeks where you can prosper with any of them it's kd drummond of the cowboys wire website bringing the knowledge we'll be right back fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football do's and don'ts entering the final drafting weekend of 2020. Players I really like. Kyler Murray, quarterback, Arizona Cardinals. He's going in the sixth round on average as the fifth overall quarterback chosen. You can wait a little bit from the Lamar Jacksons and Patrick Mahomes of the world and still get very similar value. Running back Raheem Mostert had his contract squabble settled in the offseason, and he's ready to rock and roll in one of the best running back systems in football. Invest as an RB2 and consider him a steal if you get him as a third. Brandon Cooks is a well-traveled wide receiver who has shown he can produce immediately everywhere he goes. He heads to the Houston Texans to help replace DeAndre Hopkins as a group of wide receivers trying to come together, catching passes from the hand of Deshaun Watson. Another wide receiver I really like is Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The second-year receiver was able to make some noise as a rookie in 2019 with a hodgepodge of quarterbacks. Big Ben is back on the field, healthy, ready to go. Johnson's going to have a superb year. And tight end Rob Gronkowski. He doesn't come without risk, but he's healthy. He had the year off to get his body right, and he's the only player on this roster we can confidently say Tom Brady trusts explicitly. On the other side of the coin, Arizona Cardinals running back Kenyon Drake is going right around the end of the first round, early second round, and he's making fantasy owners invest a killing off of basically four or five games. There's just way too much risk involved there when you can find a safer player with as much upside a little bit later on. David Johnson is another running back, now with the Houston Texans. Texans. It's been four seasons since we've seen anything special from him in fantasy football. Hey, the loss of Phillip Rivers at quarterback means Terod Taylor's the starter. I have zero confidence in his ability to consistently deliver a ball to Keenan Allen to keep him returning round five investment. 
For more fantasy football tips and advice, check out thehuddle.com, part of the USA Today Sports Network. No players wore names or numbers on their jerseys, and most of the shots were tight on individual players, so formations couldn't be seen. Mike McCarthy said he didn't want to give other teams a competitive advantage, and Jerry Jones said he didn't want to advertise young players that could be signed from their practice squad. So, Skip. What, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, what is going on, Skip? Jerry Jones just couldn't help himself. Even during a pandemic, he said, I got a bright idea. I can make a couple of bucks. I can sell our inter-squad scrimmage on Sunday evening to a local TV station. And I'm guessing this was the first clash that he had with his new coach, Mike McCarthy. Yep. He said, Jerry, during the pandemic, with no preseason games played, we only have one advantage here, and that's secrecy. <laughs> All right, that was Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp <laughs> reacting to this very bizarre televised Cowboys scrimmage on their undisputed show on FS1. Katie, you wrote about this on the uh, Cowboys Wire. Do you agree with Skip's take here? I mean, what is going on with this, this wild scrimmage they had? As difficult as it is to agree with Skip on anything, I think yes. he's partially right. I think he's partially right on this. Uh, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys put on the blue-white scrimmage every season. Every preseason, they do this, and they televise it locally. They broadcast it on the Cowboys' uh, website and all of those sorts of things. The issue, of course, is that, as as was referenced, Mike McCarthy doesn't want to reveal much of anything about what's going on, and it's been that way. Uh, all of the NFL has this whole uh, – basically moratorium on talking about uh, what's going on in practice as far as depth charts and specific schemes and formations and things like that. Reporters around the league aren't allowed to report on that kind of stuff. So McCarthy took it a step further and because Jerry Jones had already had this deal worked out, again, this is an annual thing where they broadcast this. They just didn't cancel it because of the because of COVID. Uh, that's a better way to frame it than saying that he looked upon this as an opportunity. It's something that they do every year, so it's just basically in keeping in tradition. But they did did acquiesce to what Mike McCarthy wanted. All you did for three hours was see guys, shots of guys on the sideline, see interviews from the last two weeks that everybody that pays uh, faithful attention to the Cowboys has already seen and heard the quotes. And it was basically just a presentation to put the Cowboys back in the forefront of the local fans' minds to know that there's a season coming and we're actually at this point. But previously, the blue-white scrimmage was broadcast the second week of training camp. It was before any preseason games. And the point does make sense. When that happens, they then have four or five preseason games that other opposing teams can sit and watch mm -hmm. and gauge whether or not somebody that they might have had an eye on as an undrafted free agent, as a late-round draft pick, those guys that they weren't able to get that ended up on the Cowboys, they might want to take a glimpse and see how well that player has progressed and if there's any reason for them to then sign these guys after they get cut. Because fans got to remember, there's a 16-man practice squad this year, but the rules haven't changed. The Cowboys still have to cut those guys and waive them and have them subject to waivers before they can bring them back to the practice squad. They can't just say, hey, you 16 guys, we don't want you on a team, so you're on our practice squad. Other teams then have the option to go out and sign those guys to their uh, to their regular season rosters. So if you had a guy like, let's say, Francis Bernard or Rondell Carter or any of these stars, uh, the, uh, college stars that were UDFAs of the Cowboys that they might be trying to sneak on the practice squad, you go out there and you see them for the first time all year when you haven't had a chance to see anybody but your own team. And, hey, that guy showed out. He made a great stop in the hole. He made a great sack of Dak Prescott. That's an issue. So you have to protect yourself. I have no problem 
with Mike McCarthy going as uh, incognito as he did when it come to, when it came to this, the issue was that the Cowboys advertised this as something similar to what they've done in the past. So fans were looking forward to seeing those practices and getting engaged on players that they haven't had a chance to see since January. Right, that's the biggest problem. Right, because it's the fan- so that that's interesting. That's a very interesting take that they do this every year. So Skip's take is kind of out there and in on the, a different place, yeah. like yeah, as usual. <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of so this is kind of a useless exercise for the fans who haven't been able to go to training camp. Right. They didn't get to really see much is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And the Cowboys normally hold their camps in Oxnard, California. So it's a California treat. A lot of people schedule their vacations around it. I know several of my uh, of, of my fellow fans that make a vacation around going to Oxnard to go to training camp. So they didn't get a chance to see. But the training camp now this year was held at the Star in Frisco and in Texas. They held the scrimmage or the, the Cowboys show, as I, I like to call it, at AT&T Stadium. Uh, so it would have been a great chance for fans to get to see these guys in action. But the most they got were the same typical highlights that you see on Twitter or on Facebook that the team has put out there and allowed to be distributed because on the broadcast, there was literally nothing but sideline shots of players. It was the most ridiculous thing by 45 minutes in most sane fans were tuning it out and the diehards that stayed there for two hours. You were just left scratching their heads of what they were watching. <laughs> the diehards are the diehards and you, you can pick them. Up. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so I love it. So I, I'm coming, uh, Katie, I'm coming at you from New Hampshire where uh, sports betting is actually legal. It's actually linked in with our lottery here so i have i have the app that you know the DraftKings app that tells me what the lines are and i can place i can place wagers legally on my on my cell phone which is you know that's that's a lot of fun for me and people here in new hampshire i don't know how that is across the country but i'm going to power up the app and uh, and ask you some questions it's it's a it's a great thing for the NFL because they're going to need all the revenue they can get. And they have a piece of all of the legalized gambling. So it's a yes. good thing. Yeah. So I'm going to power up the app and uh, throw some questions at Katie, but I think I know what he's going to answer after uh, our conversation here, but uh, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be right back on the Cowboys wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week, the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs and the over-unders. I think I want my money back now. Here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. And here's what you need to know about the season opener between the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs. The Super Bowl 54 champs are favored by 9.5 points, with the over-under set at 54.5. Both numbers have already been bet down since they were first released, along with the 2020 NFL schedule in mid-May. The Texans beat the Chiefs 31-24 in a Week 6 meeting last season. Seven of the Chiefs' 12 wins in 2019 came by at least 10 points. While the Texans lost three games by at least 10 last season, one of those was in Week 17, with QB A.J. McCarron under center. I like the Texans to cover and keep it within nine, tick the under as well on a number inflated by the hype of the season opener and a tantalizing quarterback matchup between Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Katie, like I said, I, I know exactly where you're going for this, and I think this line might be way too low. My app tells me nine and a half for Cowboys over under regular season wins. I know they were eight and eight last season, which was a, a dumpster fire, of course, but uh, 
over under nine and a half. I don't even have to ask you. You tell me why that that line is ridiculous and why it's too low. Well, like I said, Mike McCarthy himself is worth two wins. I would say getting rid of Jason Garrett is worth two wins. So that puts the Cowboys at 12. But a lot of the prognostications that you see really fit them in that 8.8, 9.2 win projection area. I know Football Outsiders has that. A couple other outlets have them in that range. Uh, but again, that's, that's an average over simulations and things of that sort. I think that all things being considered, and again, there's a wide range of things that can affect this season that we don't have any idea on. There could be COVID outbreaks. Uh, there could be the whole issue with the anthem protests, or excuse me, I shouldn't call it the anthem protests, the protests that take place during the national anthem yep, yep. and how Jerry Jones reacts to that, whether or not he looks to suspend players or punish them in any way, whether or not he doesn't support them. All of those things that can affect morale of a team that we can't control from the outside looking in, those things can affect the season. But everything being considered equal, the Cowboys have the talent to be at least a 10-win team, if not a 12-win team, if not the best team in the NFC. That's how much talent they have. Whether or not Mike McCarthy gets them to play to that level is going to be the big question, and whether these outside distractions have any impact on the season is going to be really the thing that tells all. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely pick up that conversation, some of those topics you just hit on. Uh, next week, when we, when we are going to be back here talking Cowboys-Rams week one at Unbelievable. We're about to kick football off Crazy. next week. It's, it's wild. Uh, KD, man, I, I really appreciate the insight. I really enjoyed the talk. And uh, you know, I'll talk to you next week, man. Definitely, my man. My pleasure to do this. All right, man. We're off and running the Cowboys Wire podcast. We'll see you next week. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.